Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We had a little scheduling glitch, so today I have a regular show, a tidbit about the origin of D-Day, and a meaty middle about reduplication. You'll even get to hear me moo like a cow. And then Thursday, I'm going to have an interview, a fabulous interview, that I think you're going to love with Benjamin Dreyer, the author of the brand new New York Times bestseller, Dreyer's English. The 75th anniversary of D-Day is coming up in just a few months, and that made me think about the origins of the word D-Day. Why do we call it D-Day? What does the D stand for? Let's start by getting one thing out of the way. D-Day doesn't actually refer to a single date in history. The military term D-Day is actually a generic term that can refer to any day on which a particular plan of attack occurs. Over time, the word has become shorthand for the daring 1944 Allied invasion of Normandy during World War II. And no, the D doesn't stand for daring. The origins of the word date back to at least World War I, when an American field order wrote in 1918, quote, The First Army will attack at H hour on D-Day, with the object of forcing the evacuation of the San Mahel salient. So what's the D stand for? Well, it's a little anticlimactic. The D actually stands for day. That's right. When you say D-Day, you're essentially saying day-day. According to the National World War II Museum, the shorthand is used in place of an actual date for the sake of secrecy. Should military intelligence fall into the wrong hands, the enemy will be none the wiser. Also, a naming convention was formed for any dates surrounding D-Day. Days that precede or follow D-Day are measured by their distance from D-Day with a plus or minus sign. For instance, if you're writing to a general about plans on the day that falls before D-Day, you'd write D-1. If you're writing about a day that falls three days after D-Day, you'd write D-3. There's also an H-hour. Now that you know what the D in D-Day stands for, you can probably guess what the H in H-hour stands for. For more on the history of D-Day, I recommend you check out the Unknown History podcast from my Quick and Dirty Tips colleague, Giles Milton. Season 3 of Unknown History is out now, and it's fantastic. It's kind of like if the TV show 24 merged with Saving Private Ryan. 
It covers the first 24 hours of D-Day in 12 episodes, sharing stories from fascinating little-known figures like Guillaume Mercadet, a French cyclist spy behind enemy lines, and Axis Sally, an umbrella term for the traitors who broadcast for the Nazis. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. One of our recent advertisers, The Real Real, made me think of a cool language thing that's been on my radar for a few years, but that I haven't covered yet. It's the doubling of words to show that something is, well, real. I think the first time I heard it was in this ad for the 2015 IKEA catalog. The announcer describes the print catalog as a book book. Introducing the 2015 IKEA catalog. It's not a digital book or an e-book. It's a book book. The first thing to note is no cables. Not even a power cable. The 2015 IKEA catalog comes fully charged and the battery life is eternal. He goes on to talk about tactile technology, turning the page with your finger, and how the contents come pre-installed. It's fabulous. My husband and I both loved it, and because he prefers print books, and I usually prefer e-books, to this day we still use BookBook a lot in our house when we're talking about his books, or when I get a physical book in the mail. Oh look, you got a BookBook! It might be a stretch for IKEA to consider its catalog a book, But the point that they were talking about a physical publication was still abundantly clear. 
Then, a couple of months ago, the Food and Drug Administration in the United States was debating whether it would allow producers to use the word milk for products like almond milk and soy milk. According to CNBC, people are drinking a lot more of these kinds of plant-based milks. So the dairy industry has spent more than $2 million lobbying this year, which I imagine could be a reason the FDA is suddenly worried that consumers are being misled about the nutritional value of these non-dairy milk products. And the way I immediately thought about the story was that the FDA was considering limiting the word milk so producers could only use it to refer to milk milk. In other words, the original liquid people think of when they think of milk. From what I understand, a law was passed in the EU in 2017 that does stop marketers from using the word milk for what some people refer to as, the word fun apparently never stops, counterfeits, C-O-W, counterfeits, a portmanteau or blend of cow, moo, and counterfeit. (laughs) But doublets like book book and milk milk aren't new. We've talked about reduplication before. It's just a fancy way of saying something is repeated. Whether it's the whole word, like when we say night-night to little children or call a train a choo-choo, or whether it's just part of word sounds, like when you say you're working with a hodgepodge of ingredients, or that I should stop dilly-dallying and get to work. But this contrastive focus reduplication is a special form of reduplication. It uses duplication to convey a sense of realness, or authenticity, or seriousness, or intensity. Often it implies the default case. Books were printed before they were digital, So you intuitively know that a book book is a print book. And to use an example from the Zitz comic strip highlighted on the language log site, the teenage boy Jeremy is still in bed and tells his mom checking in on him that he's he's up. He's just not up-up. In that case, up-up is a more intense or real form of being up than just yelling from bed, okay, I'm up. So it's not new. In fact, there's a well-known linguistics paper from 2004 called Contrastive Focus Reduplication in English, the Salad Salad Paper. It includes references that go back decades and talks about how this kind of reduplication is widespread. Old people do it. Young people do it. British people do it. Americans do it. People who speak German, Spanish, Russian, and other languages do it. And even native speakers of other languages do it when they're speaking English. It is more common in speech than in writing, though. Another interesting thing is that the paper's authors describe the phenomenon as contagious, writing, quote, Even those who claim never to use the construction are sensitive to its contagious quality once exposed. We have repeatedly caused an outbreak of contrastive focus reduplication following presentations of parts of this work, And that could explain why I thought about milk milk when I heard the FDA's story, even though none of those stories actually used the phrase milk milk. I'd been exposed to the reduplication pattern, and now it's lodged in my brain. The focus part of the name is because the duplication focuses your attention on words of the same type or class. For example, if I say, I'm not bringing a salad, 
you could think that I'm bringing something that's completely not in the salad category—meat or dessert. But if I say, I'm not bringing a salad salad, you know that I'm still bringing something in the salad family. I've focused you on the salads. We call all kinds of things salad—chicken salad, macaroni salad, tuna salad, and so on. And I could be bringing any of those. But you now know you'll need someone else to bring the green salad, which most people would view as the prototypical salad. Duplicating the word focuses us on things that are considered salads. And if your cousin has been interning and then volunteering and maybe working part-time, and your aunt says he got a new job, your judgmental grandmother might ask, but is it a job job? Implying that she hopes it's a serious job this time, like the kind of nine-to-five going-to-an-office job that she considers the standard. And by saying it that way, she's also acknowledging that there are other things, like internships and volunteering, that still fall into the broader job category. You can do this with lots of other parts of speech, too, not just nouns. For example, if your younger sister says she likes a boy in her class— and you want to know if that's the romantic kind of liking, you could double the verb and ask, but do you like like him or just like him? You can even do it with phrases. Kevin Russell, one of the authors of the Salad Salad paper, keeps a corpus of examples, mostly from pop culture, and in one from the TV show The Goldbergs, the son is telling the father about a problem he has with a girl. And the father says, tell me about it. So the son starts adding details, and the father says, I didn't mean tell me about it, tell me about it. I meant I screwed up with a girl, too. And in case you're wondering how to write these double words, most linguists seem to use a hyphen between them. I'll bring a salad salad with a hyphen between the two words salad. Although the video from the IKEA commercial ran the two words together, book book with no spaces in between. So if you hear someone doubling words like this, now you know what to call it. And if you're writing dialogue in fiction and want to reflect how people actually talk, don't be afraid to occasionally use contrastive focus reduplication. I mean, I know you'd never be afraid afraid, but you shouldn't worry. It'll sound natural. And finally, it's time for some kitchen table lingo stories. If you'd like to call and share a story about a word that your family and only your family uses, leave a voicemail at 83-321-4-GIRL. Be sure to give me the reason your family uses the word or phrase, because that's usually the best part of the story. Here's Chris. Hey, Grammar Girl. It's Chris, and I was just listening to your episode on familialect, and uh, I can't remember the other word. But I was just listening to it, and I found it so funny that y'all call ficus trees Norman, because it reminded me of my own family calling any sort of ravioli pillows. The story behind it is basically just that when I was little, I uh, couldn't really say ravioli, and so I would ask for pillows for dinner. And then my entire family picked it up, and now we call all sorts of ravioli pillows. Another thing that we have is calling uh, Vienna sausages chicken running. Not really sure where that one came from, but it's been there for as long as I can remember. So anyways, I hope you have a great day. 
And finally, a shout out to Michelle, who posted this, quote, My husband introduced me to your podcasts. I now share an earbud so we can both listen as we walk around the lake near our place. We both love your podcasts, and they always start a discussion on what we've just learned, unquote. And Michelle and her husband listen in Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. This podcast is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network, and my audio producer is Nathan Sims. That's all. Thanks for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.